wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships, join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. have such a beautiful lens to see birth and the many ways birth manifest is in women and families' lives. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by midwife Donna Tabus from our documentary, Orgasmic Birth. Donna is a Columbia University trained certified nurse midwife who's been working with birthing families for 39 years, initially as a NICU nurse and then as a nurse at a freestanding birth center with midwives. And finally, for the last 18 years as a midwife, deeply affected by her own first birth experience that ended in a cesarean birth, she went on to birth her second child with a vaginal birth after cesarean, or what we call a VBAC. And her midwifery passion was born to help other women birth normally with strength and joy. She's committed to evidence-based care, but also aware that birth is deeply affected by issues of the head and the heart as well. She's known as the science and soul midwife. She's now retired, enjoying her three grandchildren, completing her book on birthing and spirituality, and continuing to counsel women in their birthing journeys. She has some beautiful stories of birth to share that will inspire you, as well as some tips to help you fracture fear and prepare to enjoy birth. As she says, a miraculous ride, the most miraculous ride of your life. Welcome, Donna. Hi. Thank you so much. This is a, a joy and a privilege to be with you, Deborah. You were part of my journey as well. And it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to join you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, thank you. I know that you've impacted my life and being a part of our whole journey with orgasmic birth. So I'm so honored today that you're going to share some of that wisdom with our listeners. Yes. So I would love to start by sharing something that happened quite recently. I had the, the, the great privilege and honor of attending the birth of a dear friend of mine who is a, an Orthodox Jewish woman who actually birthed her second baby on the seventh day of Passover. And the seventh day of Passover is known to be the day that the Red Sea split and the Israelites went across and became free from their, ex from their slavery in Egypt. And at that time, in the Bible, it says that Miriam, who was the sister of Moses, took her timbrel, which is a, like a tambourine, and shook it and, and led the women dancing in joy because of the freedom that they have just uh, attained through the miracle of the, of the splitting of the Red Sea. Now, what was so unusual about this, this, this holy and sacred birth was that when she came into labor, 
you know, she was on, she was on the admission bed and they were getting the admission strip. And, and she said to me, you know, Donna, all I want to do is dance. All I want to do is get up and dance. Her previous birth actually was less than a year ago. It was actually on the holiday of Shavuot, which is the holiday that we celebrate the giving of the Ten Commandments. So she was blessed with, a, with another pregnancy very shortly after her first baby was born. So here we are on another holiday, another very significant holiday, Jewish holiday. And she said, you know, the first pregnancy, she wanted to just be very serious. And um, she had a beautiful, beautiful natural birth. And with this pregnancy, she goes, you know, I just need to get up and I just need to get up and dance. And I said, well, let's do that. And she did have some residual fear of the, she remembered the last few moments of her last birth being very intense. And she, she kept sort of going back to that, you know, Donna, I'm a little, I'm a little afraid of that, of that feeling. And I, I said, you know, let's not focus on that. Let's just focus on, you know, thank you, Hashem, which is the word that we use for, for God. I said, let's just, instead of thinking about the, the fear, the, the, the sensations that you remember from the last birth, let's just, during your surges, let's just say, thank you, Hashem, for this big, beautiful surge we're having right now. Let's, let's just welcome it and thank you, Hashem, for this big, beautiful surge. So, you know, this is while she's lying in bed because she has to get the 20 minute admission strip, you know, for, for, the, for, the, for the baby. So once she was able to get out of bed, she said, I just need to get up and dance. So we, it. so me and her husband and, and her, herself, we just got up and we danced, we rocked it, we rocked it. The three of us are just dancing away. And she was getting into it and just completely forgot about the fear, forgot about all that, you know, residual remembrance of what she was afraid of. And she was dancing and dancing and dancing. And she had an hour and a half labor and her, her water broke and her baby was born three contractions later. And I, I told her right after her baby was born, I said, do you realize that you just birthed on the seventh day of Passover when, which is the day that Miriam took her timbrel and danced, you know, at the Red Sea. And it was really an extraordinary birth, extraordinary birth. And it's a little side note uh, on her, her, her wedding gift that I gave to her. I gave her a micrography, which is like, you know, little micro writings using letters of the whole book of Exodus in the shape of the picture of Miriam and her timbrels dancing at the Red Sea. So how special, how special is that, that it all, all came together? Yeah, so. so beautiful, right? Because I often say, you know, we think of birth as so isolated, but birth is such an integral part of our entire life. And seeing how, you know, in 
her faith, your faith, how that comes together, how within that there's so many ways of finding and letting go of fear and finding such joy and connection and love in birth. And I love the image of kind of dancing and literally right. dancing her baby down. Literally, literally dancing her baby, like dancing, wiggling and dancing her baby down. And, and another beautiful midwifery metaphor or pregnant pregnancy metaphor is that one of the reasons why, in addition to all the people dancing at the Red Sea, that the women specifically dance is because the Pharaoh, you know, had the, the babies thrown into the Nile, you know, the one before the 10 plagues, he had the babies thrown into the Nile. So the women especially deserved more joy to dance because they carried more sorrow during the enslavement because their babies were thrown because they carried their pregnancies and the babies, you know, they, they had more sorrows. They deserved more joy to, to actually celebrate. And they made these timbrels during the slavery so that when they were, they had faith in God that they were going to be eventually, you know, become free. So they, they had these timbrels with them. So when they were free, they could actually celebrate more. So I thought that was, you know, a beautiful, you know, womanhood and pregnancy and, and how we, you know, the, the, the burden of the sorrow contrasting with the joy of free, freedom and the joy of pregnancy. Yeah. So, so beautiful. Yeah. And I like that contrast too, because so many of us, right, have sorrows Losses. and challenges, yeah. right? It's a part of life as well. And that message of ways that we still can find that pleasure and joy, especially in this time of birthing. So I know you prepared, how many births have you done? Like I was oh, thinking of that. What? Oh my goodness. Birth? Well, it's been 18 years of births as a midwife and then 39 yeah. years of working with birthing families. So it's been a oh. lifetime. It's been a lifetime of, of work with families. And so, you know, one of the things that I, you know, really committed my, my birthing work towards was, was, was trying to, to creating an, at, an atmosphere, an environment in the birthing space, in the birthing room, that's not conducive to fear, that does, does not generate or nurture fear. Because I, as we know, fear interrupts birth and interrupts the natural flow of birth and can be a can be quite an interrupter of, of natural birth. That's not to say that we won't, of course, explore birth fear. If there is fear in the room, explore what the ideologies of that are and, and help the woman to, to you know, address them. But, but once that we've, we've done that, let, let, let us help transform that fear into, into strength and power and, and try to fracture the fear off. But one of the ways that we do that is, is through the way we talk about birth, the language that we use in the birthing room. And one of the ways that I mentioned is with this particular woman is, you know, saying, you know, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, God, for, for this next surge. We want the next one to be even bigger because, you know, if it isn't, you're going to need Pitocin and maybe a C-section to get the baby out. So we want, we want our contractions to our surges, as you like to say, to be bigger because it's the first time that a woman, you know, when, if you're working with a, a first time mother, you know, the, these sensations that she feels are, 
are big and they've, she's never had them before. She doesn't know that it doesn't represent something is really wrong with her body. Like before this, when she's had that kind of sensation, it's been a stomach ache. It's been, you know, appendicitis. It's been cancer. It's been something horrible. And she doesn't know that it, something's not wrong. And it's, you know, in birth, these sensations are really powerful and they're really big. And, but yet nothing is broken. And it's our job as birth workers to, to help the woman understand that these really big, powerful sensations are normal. And we're actually, we want them to be even bigger and bigger is normal. Bigger is not, is not actually scary, even though the woman may potentially feel scared when she first feels them. But we want to help her understand that they're big is normal. Like you can do big, you can do powerful. Like we are strong women. We can do really big and powerful things and that it's not to be feared. And when you use language that promotes non-scary connotations, it really transforms the room into something that helps her like turn off that fear, fracture the fear off of it so that she can think in a way that this is, I'm, this is nothing to be afraid of. I can do this. This is not a scary thing. Like uh, this is, this is a normal thing. This is a big thing, but I can do this. This is nothing to be afraid of. Cause I think when people are afraid of it, it makes it worse. It makes it more painful. Yeah. So I developed a little list of, of contrasting words that I use to, to contrast what the sort of the medical model uses that can be really scary versus what I like to use that really fractures the fear off and, and makes it more normalizing. And one of them is labor, which it sounds like hard work that hurts. And I like to use the word birthing time because birthing time, that's what we're doing. We're the time we're birthing. The time is now and it's big and it's powerful and it's beautiful. And um, versus the word labor, which labor, it sounds like you're a slave in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> Using the word contraction. Contraction sounds like a, like a, like a, you're having a muscle cramp in your leg, your toe or your leg. It's, um, it's a word that sounds painful. And actually that's not what defines labor. Labor is defined by the opening and stretching and softening of the cervix the doorway to your uterus so that you can release your baby and bring your baby into your arms. That's what defines labor is actually the cervix opening and softening and opening. So I like to use the word surges. Some people like to use waves or expansions, but I like to use the word surges because when you use the word surge, it, it, it just brings a different connotation into the room and it doesn't give that bad connotation of contraction, which is just sounds, it sounds painful. You know, there's a bag of waters around the baby. People like to use the terminology breaking your water. You know, breaking sounds very violent. It sounds hurtful and, you know, violent and hurtful words are not helpful in facilitating vulnerable birthing women to escort fear from their birthing space. And I like to use more nurturing words like releasing the membranes or releasing the waters. The baby's been swimming in this pool of nourishing amniotic fluid 
And as we birth, there will be a time when the membranes holding the pool will release and that facilitates the baby making the descent down and out. And especially for women who have been victims of abuse, sometimes these words can be very triggering, you know, these violent words like rupture and breaking. And we have to be very sensitive to that. So when we use words that are more gentle, that can be very nurturing as well. Stretching the membranes or sweeping the membranes, and some people even use rotor-rooter <laughs> as a, as a uh, terminology for something that we can do to help women go into labor who are, who are you know, ready to go and we want to sort of jumpstart things. These words sound very violent and painful and, and it invites fear into a woman's pregnancy. The Roto-Rooter is a reference to a plumber fiddling with blocked toilets, and this certainly does not conjure up a relaxing image. I like to use the word stir the soup. This is a gentle maneuver that your midwife can do to help your own body go into your birthing time more naturally if it is necessary to initiate the birthing process for medical reasons. It is gently insinuating the midwife's fingers between the amniotic sac and the wall of your of the cervix and stretching the entire 360 space to separate the thinnest connection between the cervix and the membranes. This helps the woman's own body to release her own prostaglandins and this will help initiate her active birthing waves. It is not intended to release the waters. These words sound nutritive, gentle, and honoring of that which is stirred. Failure to so progress. Yeah. Failure to progress is, or FTP, is a medical model terminology implying that the labor has failed, the baby won't fit out, or I give up. Instead of knowing how to facilitate a baby to find its way through the pelvis, the twists and turns of the pelvis, and journey out into the world. And our version of FTP, I like to say is fabulous transformative power. False labor, contraction, that's the medical model terminology of contractions that didn't mean anything and don't mean, do not mean that you are in labor, forget them. And I like to use the word terminology pre-labor. Sometimes women feel as, as their body begins the process of birth, there is nothing false about them. The waves the woman feels do not get longer, stronger, and closer together. They are still doing the important work of ripening your cervix. If they wane, it means that those sensations will not lead to the birth of your baby yet, and you will have a chance to rest. We are grateful our bodies are doing the work of enabling your cervix to be prepared or primed for when you enter your active birthing time. So there's pre-labor has its own beautiful function and there's nothing false about it. And that needs to be honored. It's a real thing. The mucus plug, the mucus plug came out. Well, that sounds gross. Yes. Like a snot ball. It taints this normal, beautiful bodily function with a nasty, displeasurable image. And the alternative, more nutritive, more gentle sounding word might be something like baby gel or baby jelly. 
in the cervix during pregnancy, your body has made a barrier so that unwanted pathogens do not enter the private swimming pool of the baby. As birthing time approaches, it is released and comes out, showing yet another sign that your body is doing the right things to get ready for the big day. The baby gel should not sound or be conceived as gross. The due date. Of course, everyone is given a due date. This is generated by a logarithm based on a woman's having a 28-day cycle, and most babies are not born on their due date. First-time moms are averaged to go into spontaneous labor if they weren't induced prior at 41 weeks and three days. And another way of, of, of putting it would be a guest, a guest date because the initiation of actin birthing is an intricate interplay of a myriad of different physiological events occurring and responding between mother and child. The child can be born within a five-week window and be considered full-term, anywhere between 37 and 42 weeks. And the last one would be, the baby is delivered, as often is said so many times, the labor and delivery unit in hospitals. These words shift the ownership of the accomplishment to the healthcare provider, implying that the birthing woman was a container, like a UPS truck. And the truck driver delivered a baby into the world. Any woman who has given birth knows that that is a complete misnomer. I like to say, I know you do, and all of us birth workers who honor women say that the mother gave birth. Yes, she did, either vaginally or by C-section. And that's really important. On her own steam, her own courage, her own strength, that she didn't know she had it in her, her own concern for keeping her baby as safe as possible, and her first initiation into giving unconditionally to her child, not because he or she earned it, but just because he or she needs it. Well. So many great tips, Donna. And I love how you use the language of birth, right? To your, I love your terminology too, to fracture the fear, because we do have such a fear-based language around birth. So you filled, I know everyone listening with lots of great tips and considerations to replace or create their own language, right? That builds confidence in birth. But I know there's so much more. So as we're bringing our time to a close, is there anything else to all those people that might be listening, partners, parents, um, birth is such an important part. And so are those first weeks postpartum, any other nugget you'd like to share? There's one birth that com comes to mind. It was another first time mom. She was laboring and she was getting close to her delivery. She was in transit, the transitional phase. And she was saying, no, no, no. And I said, can you say instead of no, can you say yes, yes, yes. So she, I, so she said, yes, yes, yes. And she gave birth momentarily almost immediately after that. So it's just another example of how the words we use actually change how we birth. 
Thank you so much. And I know people that are listening and I know I am, I can't wait for your new book to come out (laughs) that you're working on, but how could people get in touch with you if they wanted to follow up? Sure. My email address is uh, my name, Donna Tabus at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you so much, Donna. And thank you everyone who's joined us. Thank you for listening to the Orgasmic Verse podcast. And if you enjoyed it, share it with your friends and we'd love to hear your stories too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.